Hi, it's Jess from CSM Live. We're here today to start our Future of series. I've got Stacey from CSM who's going to tell us all about what we're up to. Thank you. Well, first off, can I just say I'm incredibly glad for so many reasons that this is a podcast. Uh, to describe my hair like Wurzel Gummidge, I think, would be, would be quite frankly understating this. Damn humidity. And I got described earlier today as having, a, and I'm not even joking, an upmarket gym look, which I took as a compliment because I usually get a hell of a lot worse than that. Uh, my arms are also weirdly sunburned, which is what happens when it gets over 12 degrees because, you know, I'm a proper northerner. Um, so I'm, I'm very happy with that. So who am I? I'm Commercial and Marketing Director of CSM Live, which is a sports and entertainment experience and branding company. But you don't want to know about that. You probably want to know that I'm also a fourth dan Japanese sword fighter. I do a martial art called Yaido. I'm a non-executive director of the Rugby League World Cup 2021 and an avid rugby league fan. And I do skydiving. So a, a few weird, wonderful hobbies of mine. Um, so really, I'm a kind of flying northern martial artist ninja woman person. <laughs> So I'm delighted to present the first of our uh, Future Of series, a kind of light-hearted, if you haven't guessed it, educational and informative look into various topics that will shape how we live, love and work. We've taken out all the complex terminology, partly because I don't know what it means, and instead we've packed it with stuff that we care about. So expect to hear about the likes of artificial intelligence, machine learning, autonomous systems, the evolution, indeed the revolution of retail, the religion of sport and its power to change, etc, etc, etc. So I am absolutely delighted to welcome our first guest, the phenomenal Natalie Fee, an environmental campaigner, ambassador, and I would say planet protecting frigging rock star. <laughs> Um, and we want to talk about kind of sustainability. So in this first um, kind of future of, it's the future of sustainability. So what does it mean to big business? What are the easiest steps companies can take to start on a kind of more eco-friendly future? So Natalie, first off, thank you so much for, for being part of this. Thank you. What an honour to be here on your inaugural podcast. Woo! <laughs> uh, so first of all, let's, let's shoot to it. Tell us a little bit about your story and tell us what you've been currently working on. Well, I mean, it sounds nothing compared to yours. Now I'm feeling like, wow, you, you're, you're so crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm just a mere activist. Well, I mean, I, I am an environmental campaigner and um, I run, I founded and run an organisation called City to Sea and we focus on stopping plastic pollution at source. So very much looking at how we can keep plastic out of our rivers and oceans. And that's been going since ooh, about 2015. We piloted our first project, but we're now just about to hire our 30th team member. So it's been a, an extraordinary journey and something I'd never really planned for. But hence now we're having to write strategies and things because <laughs> we're getting so grown up. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm also an author. I, I do a lot of um, presenting and speaking as well. So I generally try and use my, my skills for good, um, which generally is making a bit of a racket about things. Fantastic. And so tell me a little bit more about kind of City to Sea. Sure. Well, we're, we're, a, we're, a, we're a not-for-profit organisation. Um, and it actually came about, weirdly, not because I love the sea or have a relationship with the sea, which I do now, but 
I didn't um, some four or five years ago. I was very much um, afraid of the sea. I actually Ooh. had a phobia of it. Like I literally didn't want to go anywhere near it. Um, and so it's kind of funny that I ended up being a, an oceans ambassador. And um, But it was actually the albatross chicks that led me to this issue that uh, I saw a film by the artist Chris Jordan on on Facebook um, and he'd put together this incredible really emotive piece of footage about the albatross chicks in the Midway Islands in the middle of the Pacific who are dying in their nests with their bellies full of plastic and it was the most heartbreaking heartbreaking scenes I'd, I think I'd ever seen like in terms of environmental issues it struck me like nothing else like I'd seen forests torn down obviously not firsthand but online oil spills and yet something about seeing these incredible beautiful creatures dying with their bellies full of plastic just completely tore my heart open um and I knew at that point I had to do something about it so so I just thought I'd do whatever I could and that's sort of how I began really I mean I mean that's phenomenal and and incredibly inspiring that you know you 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 took something that everybody else would have, you know, shed a tear, wiped it away and moved on and made a difference and made an active difference. So, mm. so well done there. Thanks. I, I want, you know, I've often sort of looked back and think, why, why was it that, you know, when I have felt upset about other things? But I think maybe this was the first time that I'd actually felt grief. And, and I think it's so easy to get overwhelmed with environmental issues or maybe just to tune out um but I just think sometimes if we allow ourselves to feel it, it can it can open us up to then wanting to be of service and to to do something about that and so that the depth I think of grief that I felt was was so profound that I I, I kind of knocked me for six and I thought well I, I can't ignore that so I didn't really feel like I had a choice so I guess I'm I'm always inspired to sort of help other people have those moments. Although, you know, being we try and do it through fun, city <laughs> to see. We have like fun, playful campaigns which work well as well. Um, because obviously, I'm not a filmmaker and I'm not on the front line filming these horrible scenes of people of um, animals getting entangled and and whatnot. Um, I want to touch on that because your your emotion is you know it, it comes through so clearly. Now you've recently won the. Volvo Visionaries Award, which is a phenomenal, I mean, what a cracking achievement. <laughs> Tell me about that. How did, how did it come about? Yeah. What was the process like? Who did you meet on the way? Yeah, I mean, that was the best the best prize ever because we didn't know anything about it. And normally for a non-profit, you have to, you know, whether you're working with corporate partners or grant funders, you generally have to go through a bit of a process. That process with corporate funders is usually more fun and you can actually sit down and have conversations with people. But um, grant funders you you know you, you don't get to, to be involved in the process um, so to just get called out of the blue and say hey you you're one of four people that we've shortlisted for 100 entrepreneurs in the UK for good who are doing good things I think there were four different categories one was environmental social innovation and I think I can't remember what the other one was um, so we knew that we'd won our category and they said, we'd like you to all come up to London and, and sort of pitch. But they were like, it's going to be really low-key because we know we're asking you to come and do it. But 
come and pitch and one of you will win £60,000. So we went up and had this quite terrifying, weird Dragon's Den style day where we had to pitch in front of the judges and a shiny new Volvo car, (laughs) (laughs) obviously. (laughs) Um, And yeah, and then and then I won, which was fantastic. I mean, I was I was surprised because the other contestants were doing some really interesting stuff and and really great stuff. But my message and plea really to the judges was like, we have to put the planet first because even if it's just for the next five to ten years can we all just focus on the planet because if we don't we're not going to be able to do all these other three incredible you know all the other people that were there pitching their projects they can't happen if we have a planet that we can't survive on if we can't feed ourselves if we can't um you know get to where we need to get to so that there are there are i think that came across that just for now, we need to focus our attention on the planet. And I just think collectively, if we could do that, if we could just all say, okay, look, yeah, yes, we know we need to make profit, but we know really that profit, you know, purely just focusing on profit has got us to the mess we're into now. So if we could just shift the balance just for the next five to ten years, if we could just refocus our, our businesses and our, 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 our focus, then we could really turn things around. And I think that's what the judges connected with. So, so how do you, you hit a really interesting topic then I just want to pick up, which was about kind of organisations and businesses and, and kind of change. Um, in a world where a lot of businesses are run by you know, invest, investors and investors sit behind them, how do they make a case that you know, this, we have one planet and we need to do something and we need to elicit change? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, from, from an investment point of view, it's it's pretty clear cut in that there is no point investing in something for the future returns when you know the 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 future the, the the predictions and the where we're at at the moment in terms of climate breakdown so sort of going beyond plastic um is is very bleak and 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 really quite scary and so there is a risk to assets you know it's in in a lot of the things that we're investing in um so there's there's certainly a strong argument for for that and you know a risk to brands who are involved in things which are ultimately harming the planet and and so there is there is a risk to the um financial health of the organization through their alignment with um, yeah, planet-destroying activities. So, so I think this brings us quite nicely on to um, sport, which I'd really love to touch on. Now, sport, I truly believe, has the power to make a real difference when it comes to sustainability. So in 2016, for example, um, you know there was the sports and sustainability kind of in- international um, group was founded with the likes of the IOC and UEFA and Formula E, so you know, big powerhouses of sport coming together and essentially saying, how do we promote sustainable development? How do we um, create healthy communities beyond just an individual sport venue? And, and from a sport perspective, I think it's really interesting to look at it because um, in a world where walls are being built, mm. sometimes quite literally, you know, sport has the power to kind of lap in the face of bricks and mortar. Um, it traverses the globe, it taps into passion points, it elicits conversation, it has no barriers, no gender, no ethnicity, 
Um, and for me, that's very much like pollution. And you could say plastic pollution and mm. waste. So how can we use, you know, um, powerhouse, big movements like sport to create change? Because they are religions in their own right, like mm. nothing else. They kind of elicit such passion and they bring communities together and they bring countries together. And, you know, the, the, the idea that, that sport by its very na nature, for me, you know, I, have, I envisage athletes in particular, the early mornings, the late night trainings, the dedication, perseverance, the overcoming physical and mental challenges. You know, the idea, um, there's a really nice quote that I'll read from um, Emil Zatopek, who's a long distance runner from, from the kind of 1950s. He said, an athlete cannot run with money in his pockets. He must run with hope in his heart and dreams in his head. Mm -hmm. And I just think there's something quite inspiring and nice about that because for me, that's the same as, as sustainability and, and really ecology. It's not about necessarily the amount of money that we throw at a problem. It's about kind of individuals deciding what's important and deciding to make a change and deciding that that they have the grit and the determination to get up every morning and do that. And so I think there's such parallels between kind of sport as a movement and um and, and you know individuals helping deliver kind of sustainability. And I'm really keen to kind of find out what what you think. How how can sport kind of help create that sustainable message yeah well it, i mean it can be a an incredible vehicle for for change and i think the thing of with, within the green movement or sustainability movement it's forever sort of like yeah but how do we break out of the yeah. bubble how do we talk to the everyday people who maybe aren't switched on to these sort of things um and sport is 100 percent a fantastic way of doing that and a number of ways you know right from the um sports people themselves and athletes becoming the influence so I think having those those ambassadors those sports ambassadors that are not buying into um the sponsorship and that are actually you know taking a stand and using their platform to be an advocate and to be a voice I think there's huge power in that because we idolize them and we look up to them and right from young children right the way up to to, to older generations um and we look to them to see you know what's cool what's you know what we should be doing and so then they can very much lead the way um and then in terms of events like you know not taking on those big polluting sponsors or if you are then working with them in an engagement way and saying you know you know i mean i don't actually know an example that you could work with eviana robinson's in that way but say for example saying that they were now advocating for a deposit return scheme. So they were actually lobbying the government for a change in policy so that we don't just recycle our bottles, but that we have a deposit return scheme as well. So there's a, a money money back on bottles brought back. Um, and then obviously through sort of events themselves of actually championing and, and advocating reuse schemes. I know through our, our refill campaign is, is one of our biggest campaigns, which is all about connecting people to taps wherever they are um, and and not using single-use plastic bottles, but taking reusable bottles with them. But with events, we've found that difficult working with sports stadiums because of the health and safety thing about people taking in their own bottles. So we need to find workarounds for that. We need to find ways of working with um, stadiums and events companies where 
reusable cups are provided or uh, reusable bottles are allowed and there are refill points throughout, there are free tap water available. So um, th there is obviously a knock-on effect that commercially but you know there, there are again are ways around that. You can charge 20p or 50p for a refill It doesn't, and, and it still generate an income. So um, I just think it is a, a really exciting area of, of, of from that, you know, even from a single-use plastics point of view, but also in terms of communicating, incentivizing people to come by public transport, um, doing deals with train companies, bus companies, you know, incentivizing people to come by bike. There's a lot that can be done. Yeah, and, and, and you know, you touched on some really interesting points there. I think the movement for stadiums towards recyclable cups um, you know, is, is is happening at a pace? Is it fast enough? Reusable cups Re or recyclable. Re reusable cups. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a kind of pay it, pay it a pound deposit, yeah. and you can take it home as a great souvenir and reuse it, or you can take it back and it can be washed overnight and reused yeah. again. So there's certainly movement there, and I know uh, Wimbledon had had a little initiative, although how big it was, I, I, I don't 100% know, where they took recycled bottles and turned it into kit, mm. um, so sports kit as well, but but to, to your point, I think what we don't see enough of, I suppose, is uh, uh, sport, our sporting heroes doing it themselves, yeah. our sporting heroes kind of practicing sustainability. And, and I think that could make a real difference. Absolutely, yeah. And the reusable cup schemes are brilliant. I mean, that is um, and something we very much advocate at City to see, like up the waste hierarchy before recycling, you've got reuse and refill. So obviously refusing single-use plastic when you can and then reusing it. So, I mean, even if the cups are made of plastic, at least they have mm. a, a, um, a lifespan and they are being reused. And that, it changes... It changes culture. It can, it changes what we're used to, and, and we have to um, look beyond recycling. We can't just think that recycling is the answer. We have to look at m reducing our resources on the planet as we grow and expand. Um, so, so reuse and, and refill are very much going to be part of of where we're heading. And and I think that's nice because you touched on then about kind of you know it's about changing mental attitudes mm. towards sustainability as well, and it's it's a kind of you know, for, I know for us at CSM Live, we we kind of have said that there, are, there's no shades of grey here. It's very very black and white in terms of what we need to do. Um, we've got a, a, a collective kind of responsibility to reduce consumption first and foremost, to kind of change attitudes towards sustainability, and and kind of doing the right thing from an individual level, mm. um, improving our environment, so whether that's carbon emissions or making sure that at events we don't leave pollutants and waste, and that is we yeah. have to do something, we have to do it now. And, and, and more often than not it can make um, financial sense as well, and it can actually be, you know, financially in, um, valuable through from a PR point of view of being seen in the industry to be sort of best in class and pioneering these new things, and it can actually save the business money as well. There are there are sort of other ways of of making it attractive to to uh, you know um, to other businesses, and then yeah, being the leader in the industry that's doing that. We've seen examples of of hotels that have been the first to sort of phase out travel miniatures and things like that in hotels that then become the one that all the other hotels come to and you know for for best practice so it's um it's yeah it's a really exciting time really good to hear about your changes as well well, well talking about best practice and these two words don't often uh, 
link hand in hand Trump. <laughs> so uh, controversial, outspoken, you know, love him or loathe him. He very recently um, signed legislation in the form of the Save Our Seas Acts um, to kind of extend the marine debris program by five years. Now, why he did that and his, his kind of controversial uh, methodology about coming up to this, we'll leave to one side and we'll, we'll focus on the fact that what this means is the Trump administration will provide money to help um, clean up and response efforts for particularly plastic pollution around the US coast. So the question I'm going to ask is, should we be learning from the Trump... I mean, I, I, I'm hasten to even say this. Should we be learning <laughs> from the Trump administration? Should we be bringing in more legislation that helps us keep up, clean up our coasts and providing additional revenue to do that? Um, I, I think it's it's smoke and mirrors to be honest I think I think yeah of course any any money put into cleaning up the oceans is a good thing and cleaning up the oceans is needed however only one percent of ocean plastic is on the surface only four percent of ocean plastic is on the beaches the rest of it is on the sea floor and we're spewing like 12.2 million tons of the stuff into our oceans every year the united states is the biggest producer of plastic packaging by far um and trump has just invested 200 billion in new fracking infrastructure in the states to supply feedstock to the plastic industry so you cannot he cannot then claim to be any kind of ocean advocate or ambassador you know doing good things for the ocean the cleanup is is symptomatic and is just sort of putting a plaster on something while they're then you know literally pumping billions um, into a very dirty industry already which is going to have terrible effects on climate change because fracking produces a lot of methane, which we know is worse than carbon dioxide. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is predicted. If this investment goes ahead and all this infrastructure goes ahead, it's predicted to double plastic pollution in our oceans. So it's... it's <laughs> Let me at him. Let me at him. <laughs> I can see a fight coming. <laughs> Move over, Bieber and uh, Tom Cruise. <laughs> Natalie, please come in to get you, Trump. Um, Natalie, thank you so much. Look, I, I, we can't finish here without talking about what's coming up next for you. You know, with your incredible drive in this kind of sustainable world and really leading the charge, what is next? What are we going to see over the next few months? Well, at City to Sea, we are um, moving forward with our refill campaign, which started off as just tap water, but with the Volvo Visionaries funding, we're able to expand that into um, where you can refill your coffee cup and get a discount, where you can take your lunchbox and get a discount, where you can go to find zero waste shops or even supermarkets that are doing refills. So really helping people move the the story on from just reusing your refilling your water bottle to refilling your other household goods and products. Um, we're also running a travel campaign this summer so people that are going away sort of helping them understand the impact of taking our you know travel miniatures away with you or using hotel toiletries all that kind of plastic um, as well as when you're traveling as well so we've got that happening um, and I've got a book coming out fantastic in tell us about your book October um, it's called how to save the world for free and it takes us beyond plastic, as I've been steering off the topic quite a lot in this conversation, um, into all the different, uh, unfortunately, the, the different issues that we're facing. But I think only a fifth of the book is about what's wrong, um, because some people 
you know, don't necessarily know that we also have serious problems with our soil, as well as our oceans, as well as the air that we breathe, you know, population. There's a lot of things that we need to save, but the, the vast part of the book is all about how to save the world when you eat, how to save the world when you travel, how to save the world when you have sex, all the, all the different things that we do in our lives, all the different sort of lots of practical tips and stories to really show that um, there are solutions that don't cost money um, and also that are perhaps more fun when you do it that way instead of the old planet polluting way. So, so in, in a sentence, what is the future of sustainability? I would say, well, I'm an eternal optimist. So I would say the future of sustainability is bright, not easy, and it's going to need all of us, like all of us, making uh, a big commitment, but especially those in power. And I think this is a long sentence, but I think all of the people who own businesses, who have influence, be that on social media, be that in the workplace, be that in government, they are the people that can have the biggest the, the, the biggest clout, make the biggest impact, and, and now is the time to do it. Nice, Thu, thank you so much for being our inaugural guest on our Future Of series. Mm -hmm. We absolutely loved speaking to you. Thank you um, so much. The book is out October. Yes, mm -hmm. How to Save the World for Free. You can find out about that on nataliethee.com or through our city to sea website, which is city uk. Brilliant. On, on behalf of myself and Jess and the rest of CSM Life, thank you very, very much. Thanks, Stacey. Thanks. Thanks, Jess.